on this episode of the Discover the Word podcast. Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day are going to have some conversations about justice. We have so many thoughts, ideas, pictures, movies, assumptions, expectations <laughs> related to this word justice. And our culture has a whole lot to say about justice and uses that term a lot. Mm-hmm. But I realized I have spent very little time actually exploring just different scriptures that use the word justice and how the the word is used. So I thought it might be good for at least me (laughs) to spend some time just reading a bunch of verses in the next uh, series of conversations Hmm. that use the word justice. So are you all up for that? Does that sound fun? And so join Daniel as he leads the group for this series called, What Does the Bible Say About Justice? Beginning next. And welcome to Discover the Word, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries. Great to have you here for an hour of exploring the scriptures together. And as I said, this edition of the podcast is about justice and discovering together what the Bible says about justice and mercy and righteousness and why those ideas are so often linked in the scriptures. And as Daniel said, we understand that uh, we bring a lot to these conversations. It is impossible not to. But Daniel has an idea he's going to propose to the group for how to approach this that will be difficult in many ways, but in the end may be really helpful for us to Help us hear what the Bible says and adjust our thinking where needed when it comes to discussing what the Bible says about justice. He'd like us to, as much as we can, act like we've never seen the word before and see how we might define justice if we only had the scriptures to define what it means. So each of us has a different process for getting ready to lead a conversation on Discover the Word. And one of the parts of my process typically is I try to think of who are the people that I'm trying to represent as I ask questions or as I think about Bible passages or whatever. And if I'm going to be honest, the series that we're doing this week is one where this is kind of for me. (laughs) And what I mean by that is we're going to be talking about the concepts of justice and mercy which are terms that get thrown around a lot. I just want to admit that I have not spent enough time reading the scriptures to see Mm -hmm. how the scriptures define terms like justice. So as we get into the conversation, I just want to lead off with what comes into your mind when you think of the word justice. Okay, Lisa, you can prepare to call me a nerd. Um, (laughs) When I was a kid, uh, I loved reading comic books, and uh, the DC comics, which were Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, all those cats, they had another (laughs) series of comic books where they all came together as a team, and that team was called the Justice League. Uh And, of course, a couple of years ago, they made a movie about that, but I remember it more fondly from the the comic books, the Justice League, and of course they were out to right wrongs. Hmm. Yeah. You know, what comes to my mind immediately is the times in which we're living and the gut-wrenching issues that we're faced as a people mm-hmm. when it comes to issues of justice and, and mercy. Mm-hmm. So true. In fact, um, I'm remembering back to the inauguration of President Biden and the, the youth poet, the National Youth Poet Laureate, amazing. Uh, She recited this poem, and there was a line in it that caught me something about moving us from just is to justice. Mm. And as a a young African-American woman speaking those words, it caught my heart and my attention. Yeah. She was immersed in it, wasn't she? I mean, you could tell Mm -hmm. the beauty of her expressions and even the way how animated she was. And yet you could tell she had lived there. She lived it. Yeah. So what we're kind of referring to right now are different ideas of what some call social justice or justice in the social realm. There's also the court system, which is often called the justice system. The term justice shows up in politics a lot. Mm -hmm. And especially as 
They try to define what is just or unjust in some ways. There's justice organizations throughout the world that actually put justice on uh, the front door and say that they are a justice organization. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Based on just our conversation, what we hear in the world, things like that, how are some of the ways that we define justice? I think it depends on the context. You just described a variety of contexts Mm -hmm. uh, in which justice is used, and it probably means something a little different in each one of those contexts, right? It seems to have this connotation, though, of making things right, you know, adjusting them. Uh, I'm thinking about in the court system, that example, balancing the scales so that they're not out of balance, which is injustice, balancing them back, that kind of a concept. Yeah, the image of lady justice, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Bill, pick one of the examples, just like Elisa did in the court system. Mm -hmm. And how would you define justice in one of those contexts? Well, I think uh, where I would start would be in, uh, for instance, organizations and movements that try to deal with areas where there's systemic poverty Mm -hmm. and to try to bring balance to that so that people can live and have meaningful lives and opportunities and things like that. Organizations, I think, that try to make that wrong right Mm -hmm. is an example of that Mm -hmm. kind of justice. I think when it comes to the court system, the inclination is to think in terms of of punishment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Justice is making sure that those who have done wrong will pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's often called retributive yeah. justice. Yeah. But there's also a movement within criminal justice, I guess would be the proper term. There are groups that are going into the prisons and they're representing prisoners who have been wrongly imprisoned and they're trying to bring justice by having their cases reopened mm-hmm. and retried and bringing them out of yeah. prison. And, and so that's a very different kind of justice than the retributive kind you were referring to, Mark. Right. And then there's one more piece that we haven't talked about yet. We've talked about just the term justice, how we might define it, but how would you kind of define a just person? Because that's another way that we use a similar term of someone who is just or a just person. How might we define that? I guess it would be someone who is acting fairly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now I'm going straight to when you tell your kids, well, life isn't fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not fair. You know, you're treating my brother different from me, differently from me. And you go, well, life isn't fair, but I am a just person or I'm trying to teach you the reality of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I suspect that when we start digging into the scriptures, Daniel, um, I've got a feeling that we're going to find that God's definition maybe is different because in the New Testament, it describes Lot as a just man. Mm. And some of the things we see Lot doing in the Old Testament Mm. don't feel very just. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a great segue into the scriptures. But I wanted to ask all these questions and really sit here for a minute because we have so many thoughts, ideas, pictures, movies, assumptions, expectations (laughs) related to this word justice. And when we see the terms justice and mercy together, And our culture has a whole lot to say about justice. And so I wanted to kind of bring up all of these ideas as we launch into a series on justice, because as I admitted to at the beginning of our conversation, one of the things that I've felt a little convicted by in this last year is that I've been quick to share my thoughts on what I think justice is. I've read lots of books on justice and on certain definitions of justice. I've even listened to talks and videos and read books on what people say the Bible says about justice. Mm -hmm. But I realized I have spent very little time actually exploring just different scriptures that use the word justice and how the, the word is used. So I thought it might be good for at least me (laughs) to spend some time just reading a bunch of verses in the next uh, series of conversations Hmm. that use the word justice and see what we might learn if we were to take all these ideas that we just talked about, put them in a bag, tie up the bag and check it at the door with Brian and he can let us open the bag afterwards (laughs) and see 
what aspects of justice we keep and which ones maybe get redefined as we let the scriptures speak over us in that way. So are you all up for that? Does that sound fun? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's a little bit of an edgy subject mm-hmm. just because there's such a huge struggle over what fairness is, yep. you know, in social issues. That's right. So I think the challenge is good. I think it requires a good deal of courage. And I think as for ourselves and maybe our friends who are listening with us, let's just ask the Lord to open our eyes and our hearts, yes. you know, yeah. to him, first of all, and, and to the scriptures that he's given to us, and hopefully see what that does to our view of the world. And yeah. I think you're onto something there, Mark, because it is such a volatile issue. It's going to require great wisdom from the Lord to be able to work through a subject like this in these times. And so mm. I think you're right. A reliance on him for these conversations, because he is the definition of justice. And I think one of the things that I do want to acknowledge is as much as we can say we're going to leave the baggage at the door, we still bring baggage into our conversations, right? Because we all have a context Mm. in which we're going to hear the words, the verses, the ideas that we're talking about. And that's Mm. not just for us around the table. Anyone that's joining us in listening to this conversation has a perspective, has experiences, has valid feelings that they will bring to this term and to these verses. And so, yeah, may the Lord open our eyes, give us eyes to see and ears to hear Mm -hmm. how he would guide us. Mm -hmm. And as we start, I'm just going to read what I think is probably the most famous verse on justice in the Bible, or at least one of the most well-known. It's Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and it reads this way. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy to walk humbly with your God. So let's spend some time thinking about what it means to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. So normally we begin conversations with a question or something like that. I think that might defeat our purpose (laughs) in this series because we just spent the whole first conversation talking about how we bring a lot of baggage to this conversation on justice because we have different ideas of what that means. And our goal with the conversations this week is to act like we're coming across this word for the first time and that we're running into this word in the scriptures to see kind of how the scriptures explore these ideas of justice and mercy. And so I want to just jump straight in to the scriptures. And we're going to see how the Hebrew word mishpat, so think M-I-S-H-P-O-T, which is not the way you spell it in Hebrew, but it's the way to pronounce it. Which is what I often make for dinner, and it's a casserole, (laughs) mishpat. (laughs) So mishpat is the Hebrew word for justice. It appears over 400 times in the Old Testament. So this is a key idea of how God is expressing his story in the world over 400 times. And the phrase justice and righteousness together, which is mishpat and tzedek, or some version of that, which is one of those clear your throat words you have to say in Hebrew, (laughs) uh, justice and righteousness, that phrase, justice and righteousness, appears over 50 times together. And so that's kind of the foundation for what we're going to see as we read through these. And the best example of mishpat and tzedek, or justice and righteousness, showing up together is in how Abraham is described. And if anybody wants to look that up, they can look up Genesis 18, verse 19, where it describes justice and righteousness together. But I want to spend most of our time in Deuteronomy, because in Deuteronomy alone, the term justice or mishpat shows up over 30 times. And so we're going to go through a lot of scripture today in this conversation. And I just want us to kind of pause after each one of these and think about, okay, we're hearing this word justice for the first time. What can we glean about what we might think about what it means? Okay, let me ask you a question then. Are you saying that when we read these texts, we're not going to see the word mishpat, right? Correct. Are we going to see consistently one word or is there going to be a spectrum of different ways of expressing it? There's going to be a spectrum. That's a great question, Mark. There's going to be a spectrum of different words that we see. Most often, it's translated justice. 
But as you'll see in some of the passages we read, we're going to see the word judging. We're going to see the word ordinances. We're going to see the word regulations. There's a few different types of words that we'll see. Okay. Let's just start by reading Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 17. And Bill, will you read that for us? Sure. You must not be partial in mishpat, Mm-hmm. which is also translated judging. You must not be partial in judging or mishpat. Hear out the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the mishpat judgment is God's. Yeah, so what do we think is going on in this verse? Well, it's arguing against unfairness mm-hmm. and reminding, I think, that human justice lives under the umbrella of God's justice. Yeah. And are these words actually God's to Moses about how he is to lead Israel? Yeah. So in Deuteronomy is when Moses is beginning to like revisit the law as he's getting ready to pass things on to Joshua to lead the people from then on. So Deuteronomy is kind of a retelling of what's often called the law of Moses. And so that's kind of what we're seeing here is as they're beginning this retelling of God's expectations for the people of Israel, it begins with this kind of idea that you shouldn't be partial in your mishpat, in your judging of what is right or wrong. And so the reference there you see here out the small, so which means the people that don't have power, and the great, those who have power and influence, you should hear them both out equally. Hmm. And you shouldn't be intimidated by anyone Because true judgment, true justice, true mishpat is God's, ultimately. Uh, It reminds me of the image of uh, Lady Justice, who uh, I think in later centuries was blindfolded, uh, as well as having the the balance scale and the the sword. And uh, it's really portraying the idea of impartiality that you're talking about, that you're seeing in this text, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And so that's kind of this foundational idea within this law of Moses that's being retold in Deuteronomy. And we see that retold again, don't we, Daniel, in the New Testament, in the book of James, where we're challenged over and over again not to treat people with partiality, Mm -hmm. but Mm. to have fair view of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like a level path, like this level place that we're all standing on together. Yeah. Let's read another verse, uh, skip ahead a few chapters in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And the word mishpat actually shows up in verse 1, 5, 8, 14, and 45. Hmm. So there's a lot about justice, judgment in this chapter, but we're just going to read verse 8. Maybe a good disclaimer for this whole series, there's over 400 references just in the Old Testament, so we're not going to be able to look at all of them. And so we are picking and choosing in this, which is important to acknowledge. But let's read chapter 4, verse 8, Elisa. And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances as mishpat, just, as this entire law that I am setting before you today? You know, Daniel, I think it's important to let our friends know we're reading from your script, right? Yeah, that's probably a good idea, yeah. Because otherwise, we're not going to know where mishpat Mm -hmm. shows up. Yeah, I have already gone through and highlighted which word is the Hebrew word mishpat. That's a good reminder, Mark. Okay. We're not quite that smart, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, I wouldn't have known either if I hadn't looked it up, right? So it's not obvious. So this verse here, we see that the law of God that has been passed down to Moses has a qualifier with it. And the qualifier is that it's mishpat, that it's just. And the entire law is presented this way, which if I'm honest, I kind of stumbled on a little bit because do we see all of the ordinances and laws within the law of Moses as just in the same way that we might define that today? So are we saying in terms of impartiality? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, or in the fair treatment of people. Okay. Yeah, I think that's half of the problem, maybe, Daniel, in the way we've talked before on the program about the danger of overlaying 21st century sensitivities onto an ancient text which was coming out of a different cultural background. And and I think when we look at it from our vantage point, some of these things that are in Moses' law may not feel very just. But to me, an equally big problem with that is that whoever the human beings were that were going to be administering it surely were not perfect in their ability Mm. to administer justice. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. As I was thinking through this, I spent some time with the guys from the Bible Project and how they've followed the theme of justice through the Bible. And one of the things they said really stuck out to me in this regard, and that was that God meets people where they're at, but then he pushes them forward to a better way of being human. Mm Mm-hmm which comes with a lot of stretching. It comes with accountability. It comes with this call to live differently, but it's never so different that they're like aliens from outer space. Uh (laughs) I thought that was a really helpful picture because as we look back, we may see things that were maybe coined as just in some way, but when we think about them in our our lens today, we might see them a little differently. Hmm. Let's skip ahead to chapter 10, verse 17 through chapter 11, verse 1. And this is a really important section because according to the guys from the Bible Project, nine out of 10 references to justice in the Old Testament reference what we'll see in this passage. Let's read that together. This is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 through chapter 11, verse 1. And we can just go around the table. And again, I've pulled out the word mishpat for us. So we're going to read from your notes then. Okay, (laughs) Okay. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe. Who executes mishpat, justice, for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship, to him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise, he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things that your own eyes have seen. Your ancestors went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in heaven. You shall love the Lord your God, therefore, and keep his charge, his decrees, his ordinances, and his commandments always. Yeah, and that word ordinances at the end is mishpat again, so this justice piece. So this is a list of what is called the quartet of vulnerability or the big four or the quadrilateral of justice or injustice. And it's these four groups of people, the orphan, the widow, the stranger or immigrant, and the poor, which is indirectly referenced here, but in a lot of other places in the Old Testament, it's explicitly referenced as a group of people, the poor. Hmm. And we have this call that justice includes caring for these four groups of people. And if we think about the culture that Israel is in at this time, it's a patriarchal and pastoral culture, meaning that people were most secure, most stable, when they were connected to both a family and they were connected to the land. And if you think about these four groups of people, they're disconnected from one or both of those two places of security and stability. That's good. An orphan or a widow has been disconnected from the patriarch, from the leader of the family. Those who are poor are disconnected from the land or the land that they have is not providing to meet their needs. The immigrant is a stranger both to family and is not connected to the land. And so they are the most vulnerable at this time. And if we're honest, they tend to be some of the most vulnerable in our day today, Mm -hmm. these four groups of people. And so this is one of the themes that we see throughout the Bible, that justice is often described as caring for these most vulnerable. It's tied to Israel's own story, right? Mm -hmm. And what aspect of their story? They were slaves in Egypt. And just as God... Mm -hmm pursued their rescue at great cost, they need to pursue caring for the most vulnerable Mm -hmm. at great cost. Remembering where they came from, right? Yeah, exactly. And isn't it beautiful that God calls us forward to really understand his justice and how we're to share it with each other by looking at how we have received it Mm -hmm. ourselves, how we've been in need of it ourselves. And so therefore, we need to be people of Mm -hmm. justice to others. Yeah, I think in our conversations with Philip Yancey, he referred to us not just as grace receivers, but as grace dispensers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a great verbal kind of reminder of how that works with justice as well. And Bill, I think it was in our first conversation that you referenced that the ultimate picture of justice that we get is God himself. Mm -hmm. And we see that at the beginning of this passage, um, that God mighty and awesome is not partial and takes no bribe, but he executes 
justice for the orphan, the widow, the stranger, the poor, and he invites us to do the same. And Daniel, you know what this does for me is it reminds us that somehow we have to get past the idea that justice is judgment or condemnation or punishment. Because when we see it in God, it's this wonderful grace, this wonderful picture of of God who reminds us to care for others. You're listening to the Discover the Word podcast with Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day as we dive together into how the Bible uses that term, justice. And you may be a little surprised at this point by what you're hearing because these verses in Deuteronomy clearly seem to indicate a direct tie between justice and caring for others, especially the most vulnerable among us. But that is a link that we'll see is actually pretty common as we move into the period of the judges and the kings and the prophets in our next conversation. So how did Israel do in keeping the commitment to mishpat or justice that the law was built on? We will find out after this message. Here on Discover the Word, one of the things we're committed to doing is sharing resources with you that will enrich and enhance your study of the Scriptures. And one resource we hope that you'll take advantage of this month is a Discovery Series booklet called Living Justly, Loving Mercy. Now, the Discovery Series is another aspect of Our Daily Bread Ministries. It's a collection of over 150 Bible study booklets and guides that can help you grow in your relationship with God and with others. And we release a new title basically every month in the Discovery Series. And this month, it's this booklet about justice and mercy. And I think as you read, because you've been part of these conversations on Discover the Word, you will learn how to experience the freedom of learning to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So look for that booklet, Living Justly, Loving Mercy, when you visit the discovertheword.org website. We have a link there to it on our site. And now let's continue to explore together what the Bible says about justice. In our last conversation, we talked a little bit about how uh, this term mishpat or justice shows up over 400 times in the Old Testament. And not only does it in some cases refer to the execution of the law of Moses, those first five books of the Bible and how God calls his people Israel to certain expectations for how they live. But within that law is specifically an emphasis on caring for four groups of people. Who are those four groups of people that we saw God calling Israel to care for? I think, Daniel, you uh, prefaced it by telling us that the most vulnerable were people who were either disconnected from family or disconnected from the land, right? Mm -hmm. That was super helpful. Yeah. 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 And so then the categories broke down into two that were separated from family, which would be the widows and the orphans. Yeah. And then two that were separated from the land, which would be the stranger and the poor. Yeah, like the immigrant stranger, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. and really you could say the stranger immigrants actually separated from both because they're in a new land Mm -hmm. away from their family. I mean, that's really the thing that makes Abraham's story very special when he's following God is the fact that he leaves family to Mm -hmm. go to a new land. That's this extra level of trust that we see in him because he's doing what you shouldn't do in that time, which is trusting that this God that said he would protect him is actually going to, even though he's leaving what would normally offer security Mm. and stability in that time, which was being tied to your family. And so we've talked a little bit about the first five books of the Bible. Now I thought it might be interesting to kind of look and see how does the word justice used in Judges, 1 Samuel, and then in the prophets, which I guess Samuel's kind of referred to as a prophet most of the time. But let's look at just a handful of different verses where we see the Hebrew word mishpat show up. And we're going to spend most of our time in Isaiah. But first I want to mention, so like in Judges, people brought problems to Deborah, who was... She was a judge. (laughs) She was a judge. And what was a judge at that time? Often it was someone who sat at the gate of a a community, and people would come to him with their grievances against one another, and he or she would give them an answer as to what was a fair way of treating one another. Mm -hmm. 
kind of like a parent when you're siblings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there was a sense too. the role of judge kind of adapted itself to whatever the need of the nation was at that time. So sometimes mm-hmm. it would be a military leader. Sometimes it would be what you're describing, Mart, as a wise sage to guide the people in good relationships. And sometimes it was a more religious and spiritual role. So uh, whatever the need of the people mm-hmm. was, that central leader just kind of conformed to that need and became part of God's response to it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and so one of the descriptions that we see specifically with Deborah is how they would come when they had those issues between families or between people. They would come to her for mishpat, for judgment, for her to help them determine what the best way forward was. Mm-hmm. If we skip from there to First Samuel uh, chapter 8, verse 3, actually, Bill, will you read that for us? Sure. Here's another example of mishpat. Mm. Okay, First Samuel 8, 3. Yet his, that is Samuel's sons, did not follow in his ways, but turned aside after gain, they took bribes and perverted mishpat, or justice. So Samuel, this prophet that uh, ends up being a part of King Saul's story, King David's story, his sons are not following in his footsteps as being men of justice, mm-hmm. or men of mm-hmm. mishpat. Instead, what are they doing? They're judging inequitably. I mean, that was one mm-hmm. of the big definitions of justice we looked at yesterday, that it's impartial. And they're obviously not impartial. They're giving good to those people that are bribing them and ignoring the others, etc. So they're in it for yeah. themselves. And they prove that by taking parts of the sacrifices that were not normally supposed to go to them. They were, I believe, sleeping with women at the gate of the tabernacle, uh, unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that's the part of injustice where the what you said, Mark, they're just looking out for themselves. Hmm. And that brings me already to one of the primary points that we're going to see as we continue to look through the prophets. The word mishpat, justice, shows up over 400 times. This is something God was calling his people to represent in the world, was his justice in the world. But what we see is they were known more for injustice in many hmm. ways than they were for justice. And we already can kind of see that a little bit in the first Samuel story. I think we'll really get a feel for that as we look into Isaiah. And so let's start by just looking at chapter 1, verse 21. And Mart, if you want to look that up for us, I'm going to just give us a little context for this. So Judah's wickedness that's being described in Isaiah is the hypocrisy of worshiping God, quote unquote, but committing injustice. And so much of Isaiah is God trying to call them back to, uh, in verse 17, to learn to do good, to seek justice, to rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And so there's this back and forth throughout the book of Isaiah between Israel's injustice and unrighteousness and then God's justice and God's righteousness. And so that's what we'll kind of see. We'll see this connection between justice and righteousness throughout some of these verses. So, Mart, would you read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 21 for us? Okay. It says, She that was full of mishpat, or justice, righteousness lodged in her. Who is she? Who is it referring to here? It's referring to Judah. Okay. And Daniel, I'm not sure what this means, but it says, She that was full of mishpat, or justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. So we're seeing a transition that Isaiah is pulling out. She used to be known for justice and righteousness. Okay. But now she's known for being a murderer. Okay. So we have this contrast here between what should have been the case and what she was known for, but now instead she's known for murder instead of justice and righteousness. Okay. Let's look at verse 27 in the same chapter. Elisa, will you read that for us? Sure. Zion shall be redeemed by mishpat, justice, and those in her who repent by righteousness. So again, we have justice and righteousness connected to one another. And we see this need for redemption, this Mm -hmm. need to go back to true mishpat or true justice. And that's through this repentance that leads to righteousness. And so again, the book of Isaiah is towing this tension between Israel's injustice and unrighteousness and the justice and righteousness of God that God is calling his people back to. Mm -hmm. 
It's a little surprising, Daniel, because when we think of being redeemed, we think of being redeemed by mercy, being redeemed by grace. We don't think of being redeemed by justice. Because we think of it as judgment all the time. Yeah. And I think what's coming through here, too, is we're hearing justice and righteousness as both very relational terms. Yes, very much so. They're just not concepts. They're they're how you treat one another and care for one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say it's not even just how you treat one another, but it's how your relationship with God is lined up as well. Mm -hmm. Because there is this sense in which we receive justice and mercy and righteousness from God. And then as a result of that receiving, it begins to overflow out of us into the way that we treat one another. So there's this Mm -hmm. movement of justice, this movement Mm -hmm. of righteousness that happens as well. Let's skip ahead to chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. And this is going to be some really familiar language that we've heard before. We know these verses. Listen for the words justice and righteousness in this. Elisa, will you lead us through those two verses? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Hmm. So what are some of these primary characteristics that God's kingdom through who we now know later in the story is Jesus— what is his kingdom going to be known for? What are some of those things? Well, it's going to be the opposite of what Israel and Judah were displaying mm. at the time mm. Isaiah was writing. They were displaying a culture that had abandoned justice in favor of injustice. And he says the true kingdom, when the true king comes, is going to be all about justice in the fullest sense of the word. Yeah. Okay. So the oppressors were going to be eliminated, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be driven out of the land. Yeah. Like so many other attributes of God, then this is blowing me away a little bit. You know, justice flows from Him through us to others, just as His mm-hmm. love does, and His kindness, and His joy, and His peace. Instead of seeing it as a judgment that flows from God through us to others, it's a, a an enacted act of love Mm. flowing from God through us to others. That's good. Daniel, would it be too much? I mean, in an earlier conversation, you led us through that very familiar Micah 6, verse 8, that we are to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. And would it be fair to say that it's impossible to do justice and love mercy without walking humbly with your God? I think all three of those are almost different ways to say the same thing. Okay. To do justice means to love mercy. And if I can geek out just for a second, that word mercy there is something we've spent a lot of time talking about on this program. And that is, it's the Hebrew word hesed, which is this loving, faithful kindness of God that he is known for in the Old Testament. Like one of his primary characteristics is this faithful, loving kindness that never goes away. And so doing justice, loving mercy, loving chesed, loving this primary characteristic of God is walking humbly with God. And so it's like they're built on top of each other. They're kind of all one and the same. Without Mm. God's love so penetrating us to transform the way that we see not only ourselves, but see others around us, without having God's love transform the way that we see others, We would never be able to care for the orphan, the widow, the oppressed, the stranger, or our neighbor next door. Mm. And so absolutely, I think to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God is to be that conduit, as we've been describing, of not only receiving God's love, but then being an agent of God's love in the world. So let's pause for a second. And we said at the beginning of this series that we were going to act like we had never seen the word justice before and then see like, okay, how would we define it as we just read scripture and see how scripture kind of uses and defines this word. So where are we at so far? What are some of the ideas about justice and righteousness that we've seen in the Bible up to this point? Well, just the biggest pop for me is that I've looked at justice more like judgment. And justice in scripture 
is a lot like love. Mm. <laughs> it's something that I have needed, and only God mm. can provide it. And others need it too, and God can provide it as I receive it from God. He can provide it through me to others. Mm. Mm. That's good. And even God, in determining that there must be consequence for wrongs, for harms done to others, then you can root that back in, even in his care. He cares enough to hold us accountable. He cares enough mm-hmm. to let mm-hmm. his world see that when we harm one another, mm. there are consequences and must be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that I'm coming away with, Daniel, is that it's very easy, especially in the West, it's very easy for us to make justice into an abstract concept. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing is that it's a really active and dynamic and relational reality of how God deals with us and how God desires for us to learn how to deal with each other. Yeah, with impartiality. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you want me to go here right now, Daniel, but I mean, I'm really having a bit of an epiphany. We have a family member who's in a spot right now, and I've never seen this person, and I just want to be honoring um, to not reveal who it is exactly, but I've never seen this person as a widow or an orphan, so to speak, or a stranger Mm -hmm. or the poor, so to speak, but I get it. I have been given, and from what God has given to me, he is asking me to be a part of helping this family member as I'm illustrating God's love for him. It's a big pop, and it gets gets me out of the margins, if you will, Mm -hmm. of justice into the mainstream of everyday living that is justice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the four groups of people that we've seen that God cares a lot about throughout the Bible, justice often refers to caring for the orphan, the widow, the stranger or immigrant, and the poor. And so continually we've seen this word mishpat, this word justice, refer to caring to those people. Mm. The other thing I hear, though, in what you're saying is something that's kind of been breaking apart for me as I've spent time reading so many of these scriptures. There's this emphasis in our culture on justice as fairness. But the invitation that I see in these passages is not toward fairness, but it's toward being an agent of caring for other people, which intrinsically isn't actually fair, right? Because we're taking something that maybe we think belongs to us or feel belongs to us and giving it to someone else. Well, that's not necessarily how we would define fairness. It's not two kids in a grocery store that both get lollipops, right? That's what we think of as fairness. But what we see in the Bible is actually this intrinsic caring for others so that we're not even as concerned for our own needs because we're caring for other people. But I think that with the fairness, I mean, the Bible does talk about God being impartial. And Mm -hmm. I think that the only way we can live out justice is if we do it fairly. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not arguing against you. I'm just saying I think that's a piece of it as well. We can't really throw away the fairness component because that is part of exercising justice the best that we can. Yeah, that's good. But I agree. And, And Daniel, I think it can be related to fairness in the sense that everyone who is made in the likeness of God, and everybody is made in the image of God, the likeness of God, they deserve dignity. That's right. They deserve a sense of value. And it's only mm-hmm. right and fair to them to give them what they deserve before God and yeah. before others. Yeah, I agree. And I think what I am hopefully expressing is not that fairness goes away, mm. but that if that's our only definition of justice, then it's an incomplete mm. definition. Yeah. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Thank you for taking a few minutes just to revisit some of what we've already seen throughout the Bible. And I'd like to spend one more conversation in the Old Testament and maybe dip into some poetic references to justice, to this word mishpat, which shows up over 400 times in the Old Testament. And I'd like to begin in Psalm 37 because it shows up a few times in this psalm. And specifically, this is a poem that's describing the righteous and the wicked. So people that would be characterized as in right relationship, walking on the path with God, and those who are not in the right relationship with God and with others. And so let's read Psalm chapter 37, verses 5 through 6. Elisa, would you read that for us? You bet. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and your mishpat, justice, of your cause like noonday. 
We've got to admit again, Elisa, we're reading from Daniel's notes. <laughs> so that's how you knew it was Mishpat, yeah. right? Yeah, he put the word Mishpat in each verse to help us <laughs> see it there. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just keep reading through these verses, and then we'll come back and talk about what's this picture of justice or Mishpat that uh, Psalm 37 is describing. Bill, would you read verses 27 through 28 for us? Sure. Depart from evil and do good, so you shall abide forever. For the Lord loves mishpat, or justice. He will not forsake his faithful ones. And uh, Mart, would you read verses 30 through 31 for us? Okay, the mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak mishpat, or justice. The law of their God is in their hearts. Their steps do not slip. So what's some of the picture that you see of mishpat or justice that's being described in Psalm 37? Well, some people have referred to Psalm 37 as one of the laws of fair returns, Hmm. which I think seems to make a little sense because what it seems to be arguing for is that if you walk God's path in his strength, then there's going to be a certain kind of return. And if you reject his path, you're going to receive a different kind of return, and it's going to be, in a sense, a fair return. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think we typically interpret that more like a transaction. Sure. That I'm going to do my best, and God's going to reward me. But when we have a different understanding of mishpat or justice, you understand that it's almost like Romans 8, that we're walking in God's way. And as we walk in relationship with Him, we can trust Him to use everything for our good and His purposes. Mm-hmm to balance out his overarching love in our world. Mm. The thing that really jumped out to me as I was engaging with Psalm 37 was the way verse 5 starts, which is commit your way to the Lord, trust in him. One of the things we've talked about, and um, I'll read a couple verses from Psalm 82, is how justice and righteousness are first and foremost pictured in God himself. And then it flows to us and then out of us to others. And a great example of this is in Psalm 82, beginning of verse 1, where it says, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods, lowercase g, gods. He holds judgment or a version of mishpat. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So we have this picture of God surrounded by all the little g-gods that we see in the Old Testament. And what is this characteristic that makes our God, capital G-God, the one true God, different from all these little g-gods? He cares about what? Justice. Cares about justice. And justice for whom in that list? Oh, the weak, the needy, yeah, the lowly, the destitute, the weak, and the orphan. The vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. And so the way Psalm 37 and Psalm 82, I just see this beautiful connection there of if we want to be those who do justice, it first is connected, committing to, trusting in God who is justice, who is righteousness. Mm-hmm. And then again, it flows out of us to others. Daniel, doesn't it also then reflect on the individual, whether it's the needy without material means or the orphan, it also reflects on their value. Mm -hmm. There's a treasure there that God cares about. Hmm. That's right. Yeah. And you referenced it a little bit earlier. All are made in the image of God. All are loved by him, right? When we get to Jesus and the story of Jesus in the next conversation, one of the things that characterizes who Jesus is, is that He died for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world, right? Mm. From the very beginning, his Mm. picture has been all are cared for and loved Mm. by God. And so you're absolutely right. There's this dignity that's built into every human being. I want to look at one more psalm that I think, again, really reinforces the source of justice and righteousness. And it's Psalm 89. And Mart, if you'll read that for us, just read verse 14. Again, we're going to see righteousness and justice together, but we're going to see this connected to who God is himself. Okay, verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice, or mishpat, are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. How does that strike you? Hmm. If that's the establishment of his throne, that's what he rules from. He rules off of the basis of mishpat of true justice as an expression, not just of his 
determination of situations or circumstances, but of his true heart. That's the foundation of what comes out of his throne, which is the place where he rules. Mm. Yeah. The irony of this verse is that it's in Psalm 89. And for anybody that's spent time in Psalm 89, you know that the first half of this psalm is all about how great God is, how faithful God is, how just God is. And the whole second part of Psalm 89 is, well, at least I thought you were, <laughs> but you abandoned us. Wow. You've abandoned your covenant with David. You've, you haven't been treating us the way we expected you to treat us. <laughs> and so I think there's this very clear awareness within the prophets that we saw in our last conversation within the Psalms in this conversation that although we're talking about this like ideal, beautiful thing of God's justice and his righteousness, we don't always experience that, do we? That's an understatement. Yeah. I mean, our world's a mess. I mean, the injustice seems to be uh, ruling over the opposite, ruling over the just. So the verses we read earlier in Psalm 82, and again here, is that this is the foundation of who God is, mm -hmm. and we are called to trust in that, even when we don't see it. And then we're called to be people of that mm -hmm. in, in our world so that others can see it. Mm. And that's where the breakdown comes in, because none of us can do that perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. None of us can do that consistently. In our best moments, we might display a glimpse of God's justice, his perfect mishpat. But most of the time, we're struggling yep, that's right. <laughs> to figure it out and how to do it when actually he's the one who does it. So I think part of the invitation that we see in Psalm 89 is this lament, this recognizing that the world is not as it should be. That even though God's throne is defined as just and as righteous, that that is not our reality today. We have not experienced that in our everyday life. Mm. Maybe there's moments where we experience it, but as a reality, the world is still broken, which is part of our calling, right? To not only lament that things are not as they should be, but also to be those agents, which is what this whole conversation really has been leading us to, to be these ambassadors for God's kingdom of justice and righteousness in the world, even when we're not fully experiencing it yet. Yeah, the world is definitely not as it should be, but uh, even in the midst of the brokenness, we can still be agents of God's justice. You're listening to Discover the Word as we explore together what does the Bible say about justice. And when we continue, we will wrap up this conversation by going to the New Testament and finding some passages about justice there. Mart, Elisa, Bill, and Daniel will reflect on the ultimate act of injustice, Jesus' death on the cross, and how justice was expressed in that tremendous injustice. All right, we'll do that after this word about our next podcast. Camping in a tent. Does that bring up positive or negative memories for you? Well, on the next Discover the Word podcast, the group discovers uh, one of the Bible's great ideas attached to a tent, a tent called the tabernacle. Discover what that great idea is and discover why few promises of the Bible offer more reassurance than when God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We want God with us. We need God with us. And according to that promise, he wants to be with us. Yet sometimes we struggle to feel God's presence in our lives, don't we? So next week, Mark, Elisa, Bill, and Daniel will look at a time when God literally dwelled with the Israelites in the tabernacle. And consider what that tent in the wilderness says about God with us today. And now the conclusion of our conversations exploring what does the Bible say about justice? We've spent four conversations so far in the Old Testament um, because there's over 400 references to this word mishpat or justice in the Old Testament. Let's turn to the New Testament, which means we can't talk about mishpat anymore because that's <laughs> the Hebrew word. I think actually, though, as we talk about this, it'll help clarify even that word a little bit more. So we're in the Greek now. In the Greek, there is multiple words that are translated justice in some way in the New Testament. We're going to focus in on two words. Uh, Christen, and this is like a judgment or justice uh, is how it's often translated. 
Then there's another Greek word, diakosune, which is the act of doing what is in agreement with God or God's standards. And it is actually more often translated righteousness, even though it refers to justice in the New Testament. So those are the two words, Christen mm. and diakosune, that we're going to be looking at a little bit. Can I just say, Daniel, that if I don't get anything else out of this conversation, what you just said helps me a lot, because I've found that righteousness is one of the most misunderstood and misapplied words in mm. the Bible. And to know that much of the time, it's actually a word that reflects justice, not moral uprightness or moral behavior. Mm. That is a huge help to me, so thank you. Bill, you're right. It makes a huge difference because so mm. often we think of it in terms of personal moral rightness. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. So maybe let's jump into a passage. And since that particular word jumped out to you, Bill, let's start with diakosune or righteousness or the act of doing. Now, we don't have to say that each time like Mishpat. <laughs> That's right. No, I'm not going to make you say <laughs> <Good>. that. <laughs> but this is the act of doing what is in agreement with God or with God's standards. This word shows up quite a few times in Romans chapter 3, and it's translated differently a couple times within the same passage. So if you're confused now, Elisa, wait till we read oh, this. Boy. But this is Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. And if we'll read out of the notes that I sent around ahead of time, you'll see the word pulled out in bold and underlined. So just kind of emphasize that word to help bring attention to it as we mm -hmm. get to it. Elisa, we start. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed, and it is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. So what jumps out to you as you see righteousness and justified being the same word, just translated differently, how that connects with Christ, what Jesus did, what kind of jumps out to you mm. out of that section? You know what it does? It reminds me, not long ago I read a book, and uh, the author went at some length to show that in the book of Romans, Paul is really arguing for the impartiality of God who is willing to show mercy not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well, and that that impartiality, that concern for both communities, really expresses his justice. Yeah. Yeah, what comes to me, and it kind of echoes what Mark was talking about, is when you see it connected in the middle, they are now justified by his grace as a gift. We talked earlier in the week about justice and mercy being connected together, and Mark just talked about justice and love being connected together, and now we see justice and grace mm. being connected mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think the kind of bare-bones retributive judgment view of the word justice that we've talked about a few times this week is being changed into a very beautiful, wonderful idea that has richness and color and texture yeah. to it that I'd never imagined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned that word justified, which is a connected word, right, to the word justice. Mm -hmm. What is that referencing here? They are now justified by his grace as a gift. What does that idea of being justified mean? Well, I guess as you're, you're saying it's the same word each time, but it's like they're made righteous. Is that how it, it means? So it's by God's righteousness that others are made righteous. He gives that gift of standing before him to us. I think that standing is really important, Elisa, because it really is the idea of being brought into right relationship with himself, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, you know, I love what's being pulled out here is that, again, so often we think of the word justice as a kind of a judgment. And especially when we go to Romans, you know, mm -hmm. for the wages of sin is death and all have fallen and none are righteous. But when you look at this and you see the loving heart of God, a righteous, right standing 
impartial, I think you said, Mart, Mm -hmm. God, he wants all of us to partake of this gift that he makes Mm -hmm. possible for us through Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's going in exactly the right direction, Elisa, because he says that we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ. I Mm -hmm. mean, God showed his love through what Jesus did on the cross to make grace available so that we could be given right standing with him. Mm -hmm. And that is such a different view of justice than what we are normally led to believe. And so that's one word to describe (laughs) justice. But there's another word in the New Testament as well. I kind of like the way that this conversation is going because what we just described is this gift that God gives us. But with that gift comes a calling and expectation and invitation to be a gift bearer to others. Mm -hmm. And Jesus called out a version of injustice where the leaders of Israel, the religious leaders of Israel, were not giving that gift Hmm. to others. And I'd like to look at a couple examples of that. So this is the Greek word chrysin, which also can refer to judgment or justice. And we're going to read what sounds like the same exact passage because it comes from two different gospel accounts. Bill, if you'll read Matthew 23, verses 23 through 26. And then Mart, if you'll read Luke 11, 42 and 43. And then let's just hear how these connect together. Go ahead, Bill. Okay. Matthew 23, and this is Jesus speaking. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tie the mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, and mercy, and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup, so that the outside also may become clean. And then in Luke 11, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. So after that conversation we just had about this gift of righteousness that then is a gift we are called to this gift of justice and righteousness that we are then called to be gift bearers to the world. What is Jesus calling out here in the religious leaders? Well, it reminds me of a conversation we had a few days ago about the prophets calling out Judah and Israel for not being just, for ignoring it and pointing the attention to our God who is just, and we are to represent him Mm -hmm. among Mm -hmm. our neighbors and among our people anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I think particularly in these texts, Jesus is calling out the religious leaders because of all people, they were supposed to be the ones that were the exemplars of displaying God's heart to the people. And Jesus says, it's not coming from where it's supposed to be coming from first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were given authority, they were given influence in the community, but they treated it as if it was all about them. Yeah, and even just the way you just worded that, Mark, is convicting to me because I think of how often in my life I get caught up in Greek words or Hebrew words or this or that and neglect the weightier matters of the law, Mm. being agents of justice and mercy and God's love, Mm. which is something that all of us struggle with at times. Yeah, we do. So we started the week talking about all the different ideas of justice that we had and we put them in a bag and checked it with Brian or at least tried to. (laughs) What are some of the pieces of this picture of justice that we've seen this week painted in the scriptures that we've looked at as we've kind of done this overall survey of the Bible. What are some of the things that are jumping out to you that you might carry with you from this point forward? Well, my number one is that justice isn't judgment, that justice is a, um, a fair alignment with the heart of God, and he gives it to us, and we are to give his justice to others, just as we express his love and his joy. And almost you could put any fruit of the Spirit in there or any attribute of God in there. But justice comes from a loving heart of God to make things us right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what sticks with me too. There's a a real overlap 
between the ideas of justice and mercy and the love of God. Yeah. And I don't think we're watering down justice to say that it's not really judgment and there aren't really any consequences for when we make unwise choices. There's still consequences. Uh But even those consequences are part of how God expresses his love to us because he provides those consequences to pull us back to his path. And there are times that we need to be agents of corrective love as well in our world. Yeah, yeah. but it all comes from a different orientation. It comes from a a heart of love, Mm. impartial love. That was a great Mm. word, too. I want to include that, Mark. Yeah. And so what we see, I think, and of course, there's different things, right, that'll kind of attach to each one of us as we go from this conversation. One of the things that was kind of a mind-blowing moment for me is I realized the way that all of this justice for me was accomplished. So this gift of justice that I've been given came as a result of the greatest act of injustice of all time, Mm -hmm. right? So we have Jesus, the only person that didn't deserve death on a cross, who became sin on our behalf. That is the greatest act of injustice, He's the one that didn't deserve death. Mm. He's the one that didn't deserve to go to the cross. And yet he willingly put himself there on the cross, dying for us in this act of injustice so that God's loving justice could be given to us, his righteousness given to us. And with that comes this responsibility for us to now be these ambassadors of God's justice and love to the world. A great conclusion to these conversations here on Discover the Word. In those five conversations, Marty Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day have been working to answer this important question. What does the Bible say about justice? And it truly has been a week of discovery as we saw how justice is so closely related to caring for others. Well, Discover the Word is about discovering the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible together with you. And these podcasts are made possible thanks to the voluntary support of friends like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, there are at least a couple of ways you can do that, either by giving a one-time donation or by giving an automatic monthly gift as a Discover the Word partner. It's easy to give when you go online to discovertheword.org and click the Donate button. And one more thing, if you enjoy being part of the group and studying with us, then Don't forget to sign up for the Discover the Word email list. Now, every Monday, we send an email out containing a study guide with helpful notes, study questions, and more related to that week's episode of the Discover the Word podcast. You can sign up to get those free emails from us sent to you every week at discovertheword.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedinga, Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.